Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. My name is Michael Kelly. With us as always, Nathan Bear. Yep. Pleasure as always, Mike, to be on the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, very much. Uh, very much. You know, we're going to be talking about a film today that is, exists and was made at some point and that we watched, and now we're going to talk about it. It's called The Mysterians. Yes. And, um, you know, it... it Tangentially, how this is connected to to Godzilla, you know, it it, it has a uh, it has a kaiju in it named Mogera, and Mogera um, went on to face Godzilla, come back in, in in the High Size series in Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. So that's sort of you know how we're uh, you know uh, explaining ourselves here. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. This is the secret origin of Mogera. Yes, the, the truly secret origin of Mogera, who mm-hmm. in this movie is made even more secret and obscure. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is the unauthorized biography of Mogera. Um, this is uh, well, it was made the year after Rodan, and you know the usual suspects. We got Honda in the director's chair, Tomiyuki Tanaka as producer. There we go. Uh, Akira Fubuke on music and Ringo Starr on drums. And that wasn't true. And E.J. Subaraya on special effects, uh, you know, learning his craft. Everyone's, you know, getting it down. And, uh, you know, is this movie quite as amazing as Rodan? Well, it is and it isn't. There's, you know, there's a shift from city-wide destruction and, and, and the demolition of large buildings and stuff. This movie, it's more like natural disasters, like earthquakes and floods and mm. things like that, and which is equally as powerful stuff, but, you know, it's different. Right. <clears throat> and there's also, um, it, it's, not a, uh, it's not a monster that's specifically the bad guy. While there are monsters, Mogera is uh, but a puppet. Of uh, the Mysterions from, uh, what, Planet 5 or whatever of the asteroid belt. And uh, so with with this, it's not so much a great achievement in storytelling, but more or less uh, just uh, them owning their craft. And you can see a lot of uh, work in the special effects department that, you know, predates Star Wars. You know, lots of nice point of view special effects shots, you know, really trying to up the ante of what was possible in the previous uh, kaiju films done by Toho. Um, and Nishiro Honda, uh, directing the uh, human aspect of the story, is uh, now exploring the wi- the possibilities of kaiju in widescreen and color. Right. So with Rodan, the significance was just the color. In this, it's now Toho scope. This is widescreen. This is, you know, fuck television. Television's small. We're big, huge, long, girthy, you know. <laughs> That's lots of girth. Lots of girth. Significant amounts of girth. This film is also sort of the secret origin of quite a bit of stock footage that would be reused in a lot of other films. That's like, you know, if there's a piece of stock footage in a Godzilla movie that you can't quite put your finger on where it came from, <laughs> it probably came from the Mysterians. Um, the the end scene of from King Kong versus Godzilla with the earthquake mm-hmm. that is just sort of added on after Kong and Godzilla fall into the ocean. Uh, that is from the Mysterians, uh, as is the the flood at the end, which is kind of reincorporated into the same sequence. As is a lot of the evacuation uh, scenes when um, you know sort of the seventy five mile radius that uh, Mysterians plot out for themselves. Um, so you know that's significant, you know, as you said, it is the first uh, sort of kaiju movie in Toho scope, even mm-hmm. though, it, you know, Mogera is the only, technically the only kaiju in it. Right. And the monster itself is really just a puppet of the, of the Mysterians. Um, this is the second time I saw it. Uh, and this time around, something that I noticed was for all the scenes with optical effects where lasers of some kind were being fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quality of the film was um, drastically reduced. And I think that's because they went frame by frame and actually painted on the laser blasts right. on the stock. And so you can tell where that took a toll on the actual film stock. And, and well, it's, it's really yeah. quite jarring if you, if you know what to look for. Also the fact that one, uh, bringing back a lot of these uh, older movies and television shows as well, if you uh, 
just want to look at the uh, original series Star Trek. One of the problems is many of those special effects, as you mentioned, done by hand or by an optical printer. And uh, the difference is, is that with the optical printer, you are taking negative shot. Okay, so the, the whole film was shot originally on negative. All right, so negative film. All right, so the, all, all the actors and actresses, all the, all the scenes with real people is shot on negative film, and there's probably not too much being layered onto that, except for maybe a matte painting, all right? Whereas when you get to the more, uh, when you get to the specifically special effects-oriented shots, those have already been manipulated, and it's really hard to re-manipulate the original footage. So that footage is going to be much more degraded than in the shots with people because it's just layering after layering after layering of shots. What we're seeing here really is the pre-equivalent of, you know, how what I think of it is um in in my, you know, life experience it it brings me back to editing a movie together like when I was a teenager with yeah. my brother onto VCRs. Right. And you would re-record the same footage over and over again. You'd record all the good takes together uh, and then you do a separate track for sound, and then you do a separate track for titles. And by the time you got to the, you know, the time you're you're, you're laying over titles, you're talking about a fourth generation. That's minimum, you know, like highest quality is going to be the fourth generation. So you can actually see generation dips as the movie plays out. So mm -hmm. it's has nothing, it has no bearing on the actual story or your your enjoyment of the movie. It's just a technical thing. And, uh, you know, and, and it significantly changes how we, in the current time, see these films because at the time of release, these films would have looked fresh, twice as colorful as we see them now. Uh, unfortunately, many of the DVD releases, it looks like, at least in the States, seem to only be of prints, like leftover prints they found. So definitely, you know, copy of a copy of a copy with more copies... Uh, maybe even two different copies strung together to give us the full Japanese version uh, to coincide with the English dub. Yeah. So, as as far as just looking at the movie as as a functional story and something like that, I don't know. I mean, it works, and there's kind of some interesting uh, things going on here. Mm -hmm. But for all intents and purposes. I would not call this movie a classic. I would call it a, a competent entry in the series. This is more of a special effects showcase. And I think yeah. going back and watching this film, and it was made in 1957, I think this is what it's going to be like to go back and watch a movie like, say, Battleship that came mm -hmm. out two years ago uh, in 50 years. Mm -hmm. And going back and watching that, or 60 years, and being like, okay, well, what's... Now that the special effects are hopelessly outdated, what what real enjoyment can you get out of a film that is actually just an orgy of 60-year-old special effects? If it's not done, if there isn't something behind it. Right. And there is a little bit behind this movie. There is some of the trademark in Shiro Honda kind of grafting of a message and sometimes extremely ham-fisted and kind of forced in there in a way that it absolutely was not in, say, Godzilla right. or something like that, where it was just sort of like, yeah, I mean, it was sort of the overall metaphor, but in this film, the characters on two or three different occasions just say, this, the Mysterians are us, or are going to be us if we don't change our ways. Right. You it know? almost it parallels, is, yeah. the, it, it almost, uh, as you said, shows in, like, the morality of the Godzilla films, but just, like, it shoes them in. In Rodan... At least in the Japanese cut, it's almost not even implied of nu nuclear issues aren't so much implied. Right. You know, it's just like man's kind of responsible, but it's just it, that that's a survival story, more or less. Yeah. With this, it's trying to take the morality of Godzilla 
which kind of works, but it just seems like very shown in, phoned in, you know, it, it, for the most part, this is just a pulpy, you know, explosions. Yeah. I want to see lots of explosions. Lots let's, and lots of explosions. Let's try and get to explosions. Like an hour of explosions. Yeah. You know, they're great explosions, very well shot, and like I mentioned before, this like predates Star Wars with like really nice, you know, like working the models like and layering of optical effects. Uh, but the problem is, is that the story is not as interesting as many of the other, uh, ones in the showcase. So, um, yeah, it does attempt to rationalize the story with, uh, you know, bits of, uh, Mr. Honda's morality. And I think probably the morality of many people, you know, working on the film in post-war Japan. Uh, you know, we could, if we all got together, we could defeat bigger things. Uh, I guess so the Mysterians could represent cancer, probably polio at this point, uh, you know, so, some something, if we just put our minds to it, we could probably achieve something great. Uh, un- unfortunately, that thinking was not put in in the uh, making of this film. We yeah. all, if we all put our minds together. Uh, and it seems like Mr. Uh, producer Tomio Tanaka, who is uh, no, uh, not, not shy from putting in his own two cents to make a movie in his eye more profitable. For example, Mogera was not originally supposed to be in this movie. But it needed a kaiju. It needed a big monster at some point, so it was kind of thrown in. Uh, they make it work enough, uh, but at the same time, it's just it, it really he's just there. yeah, he's just there. And, and it could he could have not been. And yeah. the story would not have changed at all. Um, <clears throat> a little background: the the main cast is basically completely just a repeat of of the main actors from Godzilla with the exception of um Akira Takarada has been replaced by Kenji Sahara. Yeah. But you know, you've got Emiko back. I mean, you know, Mamako Kochi. Shirishi played by Akiyako Hirata who played Dr. Sarazawa in the original Godzilla is uh, in this film also betrothed to Monica Kochi, who plays uh, Hiroko. And uh, it seems this proves that no matter what, he really doesn't want to get married to her. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> almost the exact same relationship. Yeah. The it's only difference is, is that you can tell in the original Godzilla that he is deep down upset that she doesn't love him. but And she's... Torn because she respects him, but she doesn't love him the same way she loves Akira Takarada, you know. And that's uh, there's more depth to that. This is more like well, uh, the, these uh, mysterious mysterians have uh, offered me more science, right? So I, I'm going to take <laughs> science so for uh, getting some uh, vaginal access. Yeah, he chooses science over her. And it's really, you you start to kind of contemplate how strong was their relationship in the first place. I yeah. mean, it, there's a lot of ambiguity as to whether the Ryochi character has been brainwashed or yeah. if he's just like, if the Mysterians have just sat him down and like, this is our plan. He's like, oh, I like all the, you know, I really dig your motorcycle helmets <laughs> and your capes. I've always been a huge closeted uh, cape aficionado, and your capes are, like, killing it right now, man. I'll choose this over regular sex for the rest of my life with a beautiful woman. That's fine. So, like, yeah. Um, so, basically, mirroring the casts uh, from, from the original Godzilla, with the exception of uh, Kenji Sahara, uh, who is... Atsumi. And uh, Yumi Shirakawa is back. Uh, Of course, she played Kyo in Rodan, and -hmm. and she is back uh, in the Mysterians as well. She's... uh, Itsuko. Itsuko. So she's she's the friend of... uh, I'm just going to call her Emiko. It'll be easier for everyone to understand. Maybe. Um, She's the friend of uh, Hiroko. Hiroko. Uh, And Itsuko is uh, the sister of... uh, of Atsumi, who's also starting Rodan. Yes. So, yeah, you have that couple so, from Rodan. So already things are getting yeah, complicated. You're, you're repeating the main... Basic, it's very simple. You're, the main couple is the couple from Rodan. Yeah. The secondary couple is the main couple from Godzilla, except for... Yes. Yeah, like yeah. If, if Sarazawa got with Emiko, it's yeah. like that couple is repeated, and then the couple from Rodan is repeated. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, the movie was released... It, it did well enough to 
kind of continue funding the Toho Sci-Fi Spectacles in 1957. It was released in America uh, in 1959. Mm -hmm. Um, The New York Times said it was an ear-splitting spectacle, which I think is very accurate. This is like the loudest of all Toho movies. (laughs) It's just so loud. I know they're experimenting with a different sound... Uh, you know, because with the advent of widescreen, you know, simple mono sound, you know, wasn't going to do it anymore. So, like, things have to be louder, you know, the theater has to echo and rumble, yeah. you know. And, yeah, Boom. you you are, as a viewer, you're absolutely bombarded yeah. with, with, with sound. You're bombarded visually with lots of explosions. So, um, you mentioned Akira Fukube... Is is back doing scoring duties. This is um, extremely energetic, and there's there's some different things he tries here that he basically never, well, in the films I've seen of his, doesn't has never repeated. There's a mm-hmm. high flute that almost sounds like something out of Yankee Doodle Dandy that shows up in his main sort of battle score, which you will know by heart by the end of the movie because they play it around 12 or 13 times yeah and um he kind of takes it this is a very sort of of american sounding score yeah this is like a john williams like you know just gravy yeah 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 you know it sounds like a john williams score uh and you know so it's 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 an interesting that's one of the one of the high points of the movie I think is the score even though it is repeated to a point of where you basically can't even hear it anymore yeah. at the end because you're so intimate with it. Um but the film was uh popular enough that it made some sort of imprint on popular culture. Uh basically there's this band called the Question Mark and the Mysterians, and they they're from beautiful Bay City, Michigan, and um, they they have had a lot of hit songs. The one they're most popular for that you you know you might still know here on an oldie station now and again is "96 Tears." Yes, and um, they took their name from the Mysterians. They were like, "This is a cool movie. We're going to name our band after that." So I don't know, kind of neat. Something must be in the water in yeah. Michigan. It's all, it's all the lakes. You do not talk about Michigan that way. Yeah. We have beautiful crystal clear lakes that you can you know, fish out of and uh, you know, it's a good time of year out there right now. Late June. Early July. Wish I was back there. <laughs> you know, that's okay. Never mind. Yeah, side, right. side tangent. <laughs> um... Yeah, and then a bunch of stuff blows up.
start off with a uh, dance number. It's uh, nighttime, or I should say day for nighttime, uh, <laughs> in the Toho Studio back lot, uh, where we meet our uh, main characters, uh, Shirishi, Hiroko, Atsuko, and uh, Joji Atsumi, uh, who are, you know, enjoying the great, you know, Bon dance festival that is, you know, going around. Can I just say that, like... It's it's ridiculous how big and how much money are in these films at this point. Like in any given framing yeah. during this festival sequence, there's roughly six to seven more multiple times humans mm-hmm. than in the like the entire movie Godzilla versus Megalon. Yes, like there's like this festival is huge. <laughs> There's probably a thousand people on the screen. You and know? all of them are actors. Yeah. This is a studio film. This yeah. isn't, you know, simply, you know, like, all right, uh, Juji, I want you to go down, uh, you know, to the Ginza and just find any hooker or, you know, fella who wants to break into show business. Chop, chop, chop. You know, this is, you know, these are all like, background is filled with actors who are acting who i'm sure were trained to do exactly what they're doing for many film dance sequences according to the commentary were really popular at this time like even kurosawa found a way to put one in uh, the hidden fortress which comes uh, the year after this uh which was in black and white widescreen so like the the, the idea of this you know oh well we have to have a dance number yeah. <laughs> we have to have it somewhere and so. i i really like this dance number i think you know, it's cool, and I wish there would be more sequences like this in other kaiju films of this of this type. Yeah. Um, I know just as the series progressed, there was just they ran out of money or whatever, yeah. but it's always nice to see a country with an actual culture. Yeah. As opposed to America, where it's just, oh, this is a battlefield from the Civil War. It's just yeah. an empty field. <laughs> well, what do you expect? We've only been around for 250 years. What do you want? Yeah. Yeah, uh, but this is like thousands of years of tradition. Yes. Like, um, you know, they they mentioned to one another, it's like they have to keep, like, this dance that they're doing, like, they have to dance the entire night. Like, they can't stop dancing or else, like, the gods will, uh, you know, get angry or whatever. And it's like, ah, oh, it's just really cool. Yeah. It, it's a really cool way of starting the, the movie. Um. Well, apparently uh, they didn't. They weren't dancing hard enough because, uh, in the midst of conversation, uh, Shirichi, who we find out through Atsumi, who uh, mentions that uh, Atsuko is his sister, he says, "Oh, would you like to dance with uh, Hiroko?" And uh, Shirichi just kind of leaves. You know, yeah, it's just be you know, kind of drop the mic moment. Yeah, now this is a woman he's engaged to. I mean, this is like it's poor, extremely awkward. Poor Hiroko. I mean, she uh, why why what? yeah I, want, a, I would like to see this woman portray someone who is happy for like yeah five like minutes having you know? good sex like smoking a cigarette after, something you know just yeah you know, so she, that's just immediately just like oh my god that's so terrible yeah. and Asumi goes to you know figure out what the what the dilio you know WTF why the face yeah um and Ryochi's like. I can't, I can't concentrate on my young nubile uh, fiance because of science. You know, there's it's too so much, hard. too much science going there's too on. Too much science <laughs> and in the world, and not enough in her supple pink. Uh, uh, well, undergarments. <laughs> um, he, they notice the forest is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they look up and they're like, oh, and, the forest and, and is on by fire. By the way, the forest on fire, we're not referring to Hiroko's panties. We're yeah. referring to an actual forest fire. <laughs> um, the, like, the, the, the ceremony, the dance stops, and they ring the same bell with the same bell ringing sound effects, or gong, yeah. whatever, from, from Godzilla, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, three guys who are still dressed in their robes. They don't have any firefighting equipment of any kind. Yeah. They don't have any buckets or hoses or anything. They have bikes to get them to the fire faster or whatever. But it's just three of them. And they're all going out to... to and and um, Ryochi, like, stops them. It's like, you're, all three of you are going to be killed by the fire. And they're like, no, you know, this is our forest. And we have to put out the fire, you know. This proves that uh, bu- bumpkins everywhere are exactly the same. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, in fact, this whole movie is basically a redneck fantasy. We'll get further into <laughs> how redneckish this gets, but... But, yeah, so, you know, 
the the bumpkins all go out on their bicycles and the and the bikes fail to put out the fires and they all get burned to death. Uh, and, and Honda is takes you know pains to show us the the slow sort of disintegration of their firefighting attempt. And they're just like, you know, if you watch the Tokyo Shock dubbing of it, I think the the guys in the sound booth were having some fun because. <laughs> Uh, when they're commenting on the forest fire, they're looking at the trees and they're like, they're, they're all burning! And it's like, well, yeah, it's a fire. Yeah. They're going to be burning. <laughs> Idiot. So uh, then they get surrounded by the fire and they all get burned to death and killed. Cut to next day where Atsume, you know, seemingly nonchalantly goes into the big science center of scientists and basically speaks to uh, Dr. Yamane because he's played by Takashi Shimura. Again, another scientist played by Takashi Shimura who uh, I'm, I'm assuming was just, uh, you know, well, Kurosawa didn't want me on his latest project, so I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> I'm just, just going to be he here. He was just hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> it was just on set. They're like, hey, you want to be the Mysterians? He's like, no, but I don't have anything better to do, so let's <laughs> Oh, do it's it. in color, cool. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and he basically says, oh, by the way, before uh, Shirashi, like, disappeared, blew up or whatever, uh in the forest, uh, he he, uh, he left me his notes. And uh, oh well, he he didn't get killed in the forest. There's there's a landslide that happened. Oh right, right. So you know, Mufuni or sorry, uh, Takashi Shimura. Yeah, informs Atsumi that um, Ryoshi has been possibly killed in this landslide. Mm. So Asumi goes out to investigate right. uh, the landslide. And, you know, they say, they talk about the landslide as in past tense, but then you see the full landslide. Like, yeah. So it's very weird. You don't know if it's a flashback, and if, if it is a flashback, who's flashing back? Yeah. Is it? Whatever. Anyway, so you, you hear about the flashback, or sorry, you hear about the landslide, then you see it in its entirety. And they investigate it, they, they go there, and they... Uh, they say that it was radioactive, like the day before, but it is no longer radioactive. And there's this like question, like, was it done on purpose? Right. Um, they investigate a local uh, river where all the fish are dying, and... Um, so the Potomac? Yeah. And... Um, there, uh, it's Atsumi and a couple of uh, police officers there in a jeep, and they are they they have to stop the jeep on this road that's near a sort of a tunnel that leads into a mountain because there's this hissing noise coming from beneath the car, and they look out at at the the jeep, and the tires are are like melting. Yeah. So this other guy. One of the police officers, like an idiot, he's like, "Oh!" So he like puts his hand down on the on the road, and of course, like it burns his hand. Hey, it's hot! Hey, it's hot! What do you know? <laughs> and um, no shit, it's hot, you fucking moron. Anyways, um, so yeah, they're like, "What's happening?" And then they turn and they look, and this yellow gas is coming out of the side of the mountain. And I will say that this mountain set that they made is one of the finest like replications of like a mountain like when i first saw it i was like i thought that it was real mm. and and then when the smoke came out i was like oh well that has to be fake and then uh well Mogera this Mogera appears shoots out of the side of this mountain and um Mogera, if you're not familiar with it if maybe you didn't catch the space godzilla podcast Mogera is basically a overweight yet body positive uh robot uh, chicken type thing uh with a sort of a saw blade on its back its texture its skin is sort of ribbed um it has thunder thighs it, it's its beak area is sort of gold it's kind of like a it's, drill and it's, it's kind of a got drill. Drill it's got arms. an awkward like droid from star wars type face with like a mouth that the jaw just sort of dangles like dumbly like, it's talking, but it never really says anything. Um, Oil can. <laughs> yeah, it's a very... It's it's like the most awkward kaiju ever. <laughs> um, but, yeah. He's, you know, all the special effects surrounding him are, are well done. Yeah. So it's it's pretty interesting. Um, so naturally, they try shooting at it. That with the six-shooter, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it blows up the police car. They have to run away. And uh, pretty soon... Uh, 
the town that was not destroyed by the quake is now under siege by Mogera. Mogera and, you know, cue montage of troops and firemen, you know, trying to put out the flames while shooting at this. I like beast. that scene a lot. Because, yes. like, it just shows, like, the hate. It's like the hate sake of, of Mogera. Like, yeah. like, they're trying to put out these fires. Although it's their fault. I mean, what. The monster's right there. You yeah. know, at least wait till the monster walks away. But the fire brigade comes up and they've got three hoses. And my hat's off to Subaraya for making like these three streams of water. It looks absolutely yeah. convincing. And there really is not an effect like this in any other Godzilla movie where there's some sort of fire service like going on during a kaiju attack. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they try to put the fire out. And Mogera is just like turns to them. It's just like, what are you, what are you doing? It yeah. just like fires its death ray. It kills all, like blows up the fire truck. You know, it's it's sort of like uh, McBain from the Simpsons <laughs> moment, where like the ice cream truck explodes. You know, <laughs> this this truck full of water uh, blows up and bursts into flames. You know, uh, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to hear about it, McBain. Senator Mendoza is one of the most powerful men in the state. Uh, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> by book. Um, <laughs> we do this by the book. We do this by the book. Uh, <laughs> ah, sh- by book. Um, sorry. So, Ogera gets attacked by guys with machine guns and guys with mortar mortars and cannons and things. It's pretty pretty small scale. Um, but then. It starts getting to this point where it's going to cross this bridge, and they're like, blow up the bridge. And they blow up this bridge, and Mogera suffers a kind of pretty small fall. I was going to say, you know, kaiju equivalent of like a five-foot fall, and it's dead. They, the, the defense forces successfully kill a kaiju in this movie. Well, that... I think they did it because they finally f- figured out Mogera's true weakness, pride. <laughs> yeah. She's like, ah. <laughs> Mogera, like, Mo- Mogera, I think, may just be playing dead or asleep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they uh, this, this this short kind of reign of Mogera is, is over for the most part. There's one sort of upsetting reappearance towards the end of the movie, but, like... Whatever. That's that's the kind of the kaiju element of this movie, and Tanaka was very yeah, uh, you like, know, pleased. We're in the money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, then some more stuff happens. So Q Atsume talking to the Diet, you know about you know the you know oh and you know this uh, we we we're pretty sure these guys came from you know the mysterion you know that this thing is a robot from uh, mi- the mysterion asteroid belt in between mars and jupiter you know uh so uh they 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 decide to investigate the land surrounding mogera's attack and the landslide so uh and which they are doing. Yes. So. And then all of a sudden, once you know it, a giant white dome looks like a giant tit, uh, sort of kind of comes out of the ground. There's sort of a drill bit towards the top. Yeah. So if it was a breast, that would be like the areola. And it kind of drills up and kind of comes up. So that's what they're for. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> yes, they're for drilling. <laughs> and um, and then it just sort of stays there. And, aha, here we we have it. The sort of the, you know, that's the, the set piece for the end of the movie. Yes. <laughs> it's, where, it's already where, set up. Where, like, get where, used to looking at yeah. this dome, because that's it. <laughs> when this voice comes out, you know, scientists of Earth... Which really should just be scientists of Japan because that's all that's there. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, come onto our super big boob dome and we will uh, talk to you, scientist to scientist, you know. So they get in the boob, uh, you know, and you. Be, oh, wait. You, you're, you're required to wear a cape yes. inside this dome. It's very which is cold. Great. It's like it's cold. <laughs> it's cold in here. The, the, the voice tells them. Well, first of all, the voice calls out five. Of like two of the main characters, and then like these three other dudes who are yeah. like kind of friends of uh, you know Atsumi, and um, and he calls them, and they're like, 
you know, they're like, how can we trust you? And I think the dove's like, oh, sure, you can trust us, you know. I don't know what they say to convince them. But Science! It's like, it's like sci- we are very, you know, we have nothing to gain by slaughtering you and eating the precious gooey sweet insides, you know. Come in, nothing suspicious about this. By the way, you have to wear these sexy capes while they're inside. So they put uh, on the sexy capes and they're... They uh, all look like Frankenfurter. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're escorted by uh, some guys in blue motorcycle helmets uh, yeah. to meet with... Uh, the guys wearing yellow and red, red motorcycle, motorcycle helmets. <laughs> so, so uh, and you know... You, the, you, and these are the Mysterians. Yes, these okay. are the Mysterians. Before we get into who the Mysterians are, or what they want, let me just say that really... What chance did we have for peace with the Mysterians? They're, they're the, the the sort of you know the the mind imagines or is provoked and has a preset uh, notion that they are mysterious just by their very name, the Mysterians. It's like it's a mystery. It's like you can't be trusted. You know, I don't. Look at these guys. This is the same problem as the Decepticons. Like it's built the word deception is built into their name. You know, they uh, can't they're not like the good But in the Japanese version, it seems to articulate through the subtitles that they're only saying that because they've been monitoring us saying the Mysterian Planet. Planet. Okay. So, so they, there's a so little they, bit they, of... Yeah. Okay, so there is some base level of logic. So because they come from, and they call it a star and a planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we don't know what Mysterioid is. It sounds like an asteroid because uh, it's got or a hemorrhoid or a hemorrhoid. <laughs> and, you know, at one point there's a conversation between two uh, supposed scientists in this movie. They're like, well, as you know, there's two very smaller stars between... Uh, Jupiter and Mars is just like no, that's not no, nothing. No. What, that you said is yeah. correct because in the Japanese no. version, it's just an asteroid belt, and that, that could at least be yeah, phoned in. Sense. I you mean, there's least, asteroid belts. Yeah. There are asteroid belts in space. What there is not is smaller stars that anyone could ever possibly live on yeah. within our own solar system or miss. Yeah. Like it's hard to miss a star. They're pretty bright. So, but, uh, uh, the Mysterians... The Mysterians basically talk like uh, nice guys. Yeah. Uh, for mean, those of you... I mean, they're basically... They, they come off as like, well, well, why? You know? We, we, we just want to be friends. You know, by, by the way, uh, we also want... Uh, well, they, uh, to, they, they ask uh, for two square kilometers of Earth to yeah. live on, which is not that bad. And they, you know, they say that... Um, they're having trouble, um, you know, propagating the species because when they make love with the Mysterian women, I think they have to destroy somewhere between 80 and 90 yeah. percent of their offspring because <laughs> their bodies contain too much strontium, strontium 90. Yeah. Uh, and so that, so, and it's, it's weird the way the guy words it because it's like the, our offspring have so many like birth defects yeah. that we have to destroy them. And that is another sort of, like, obvious ham-fisted. It's like, oh, you mean, like, from Hiroshima and Nagasaki when people were born with birth defects from the radiation. Or just or, or, Nazi eugenics. Nazi you know, eugenics. just like, oh, you've got a club foot. Guess we got to send you to Auschwitz. Right. Um, so, again, sort yeah. of like the allegory or whatever, but, like, yeah. completely hits you over the head with a sledgehammer. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, so this is what this yeah. is about. But, yeah. But, like, so yeah, so yeah, yeah, so it's just like so. Uh, yeah, we, we so they we want also, our women. They want our women, and, and, and the, the way they conversate, they they move this conversation. Like I said, nice guy talk. It's like, oh, uh, we'd like the right to uh, breed with your women. Uh, by the way, uh, we've already captured three of them. Right. So it, it, like the kidnappings have begun. Yeah, and, and already. They, and it's then it's so they weird because it's like. They, they want to, they've kidnapped these women. We don't know if they've mated with them yet. That All that's very vague. But they are seeking for the right to marry them? Yeah. Which is so. like, that's the last, you know, like, they're so polite. Yeah. But they're just like, it seems like such a strange thing to of like custom, uh, like earth custom nomenclature thing to get caught up on, like giving them 
like permission to marry Earth women. It's like you've already kidnapped them. Like yeah, you're, you're going to be like raping them basically i mean like, at this point you, like it just, just what a, just and, and like the way they word the conversation is it, it, it it's like you know when somebody takes something of yours you know like a cd or something it says oh do you mind if i borrow this be like no i don't want <laughs> you to buy that you didn't even ask you just took it and right. then you asked right so imagine that but with human life uh you know, it's just like I, I, uh, yeah, oh, by, by the way, can, uh, I marry, uh, any of these women? Uh, I've already kidnapped, uh, two, I just need the other four. Uh, you right. know, so, something like so that. So the just... scientists are like, uh, yeah, we'll think about it, maybe. Cut and, to government and they, official, and they, leave, like... and they leave, they keep the capes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, cut to government officials. They want to marry our women. They want to, they want to breed, put their seed <laughs> they can't have my our... daughter. <laughs> yeah, and the rest of the movie's like, they can't have our earth women. <laughs> Basically, that's like, nothing gets these if, guys pissed off. Yeah. If they or... want to be abused and suffer, that's our job as human men. <laughs> right. That's our job and our right. Um... So, basically, the rest of the film is a series of attacks on the dome. Yeah. The uh, first wave is a standard military attack with tanks, with troops, with fighter jets. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes on for about five minutes, and it not, you know, blows up a lot of stuff around the dome. Yeah. But... It, they don't really do any damage to it. And also the dome has a heat ray that blows up many, many of the of the uh, vehicles and also scrambles uh, the dome. The Mysterians scramble uh, flying saucers that also come out and, like, clean up and do the job yeah. what the heat ray doesn't take care of. So basically the, the defense forces get slaughtered yeah. on the first go at it. But they, they, they learn enough so they can do it again. Yeah. Uh, and this time, the next time they get the UN to help, and you know America and the Soviet Union give them a big, cartoony-looking plane. Yeah, which then they Alpha try to, and Beta. Yeah, so they try and cluster bomb it. It seems to work at first, and then I want to I want to describe up. Alpha and Beta because they're weird. Yeah, like they are. They're designed like uh, jets or like a seven forty-seven, but just the fuselage and not. The wing. It seems like the front is supposed to be a B twenty nine, like yeah. the, the uh, like yeah. the Enola Gay, and then the back is a rocket ship. Yeah, it's just like they just kind of smoothed it out. It's like, this weird sort of impossible shape, and you know, it doesn't make sense when you look at it, like how it could possibly stay upright. Yeah, um, because it's basically it's like if they built a rocket, but if they instead of building it um, vertically. If they built it horizontally and just had one teeny little piece of flight gear, like <laughs> kind of supporting all of the weight of it, and it's just like that just doesn't work. That's like something a drunk engineer would come up with, and then in the morning he'd sober up and be like, "Oh well, we can't possibly have the like two hundred tons of metal because these things are fucking huge." I mean, yeah. the, the you know when I say seven forty seven, I I mean and you know it's like they are very very big and yeah. they have crews of like a hundred people on them. And there's multiple like decks, yeah. and levels. They're ba- they're basically like submarines. Or basically the precursor to Atragon. It is, the, yeah, it's the precursor the to Atragon. So, like, you know, very not-as-cool Atragons yeah. uh, attacking the dome. One of them gets blown up, but they do, w- within the loss of many lives, they do figure out that the beam from the dome loses power as it goes further, as the farther it has to shoot. Yeah. So, and then the dome is also uh, weak against, I think, cold rays mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. So uh, they figured out that the only way they're going to be able to do it is by uh, using uh, some rays of their own, uh, Which, specifically. Well, that would be, of course, the Markalite flat. Sorry, that would be the Markalite Farps. The Markalite Farps. Markalite Farps. Wow, that's uh, you know, I I, I took one of those. Uh, uh, not too long before we started recording. The, was... the Markalite Farp is uh, the most ridiculously named piece of equipment in possibly the entire history of science fiction. 
Um, there has to be some explanation for why this is named this, but whatever. Basically, a Markalite Farp is the precursor to, or it's like the the granddaddy for the DNA of the Mazer. Yes, this was this was sort of the first kind of very primitive Mazer cannon in that it couldn't. I mean, it could sort of move. It's it's a dish. It's on a, a dish, tripod. Yeah, and the tripod has tank treads. So these are rather big, and they have to be launched. They have to land. They you know they land via rockets. Yeah, they uh, they're heavy farps. Yeah, big farps. It's a big farp. You know, <laughs> huge farps. Uh, lots of farping going on. I think they have to be piloted. By the scientist from King Kong versus Godzilla. Yes, uh, uh, who is also, I guess, the American ambassador. Yeah. The, 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 another issue with this is that there are too many talking points, and like they just kind of shoo in the uh, your uh, typical Western actors in Japanese movies. They just said, "Hey, uh, you, you, and you, uh, you're white. Uh, we we need you to talk." Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, they give them like more importance than necessary. Yeah, so, like so, they take over. Like yeah. in, in the other, like in certain Godzilla films, they have appropriately sized, like in Mothra versus Godzilla, this guy who ends up being, I guess, the fucking pilot of the Markalite Farps. Yeah. Uh, he is in that movie for like five minutes. Uh, he's yeah. in Mothra versus Godzilla for like five minutes where he's like, He's talking about the Frontier Missile or yeah. something. Where it's just like, okay, yeah, get him in yeah. there. Say, yeah, America is here to support you too. Get him out. These guys come on in, in sort of that similar capacity, but then they become like main characters at that point. Yeah. And it's very awkward if you have spoken the English language in your life because like they just they sound, again, fake. They sound inappropriately, like much like in uh, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, like those the... Um, the, the, the captains on that ship or whatever. They don't sound tough at all. They just sound like actors who can talk however oh. they want. Oh, hello, Captain. How are you? <laughs> well, the guy storms into this, this this room, and he's like, great news, everybody. There's a new invention or something. Like, yeah. It's just like, what, like... Yeah. Be, and like, like the, the way... entire world is at stake here. This isn't just yeah. like you found a way to, like get more money back on your tax return. This is like a major breakthrough yeah. and there, you should be some, there's some seriousness to this delivery, but and, of course and, this and, guy doesn't have to worry yeah, about that. And it hinders the story story. structure. Like the fact that there are three attacks on the dome makes sense structure wise. However, the delivery of the in-between is not, there's never a map sequence right. where they actually point and say, all right, here's the dome. Here's our troops. This is how we have to do. It. And then we watch the execution of that. And we're scared Every time something part of the preconceived plan doesn't go right. Right. You know, and then we're like, oh my God, they were going to do that thing. But then a beam came out and like slaughtered 20 people, you know. For the last hour of this movie, after like, you know, the like the dome shows up. We're we're trapped in sort of like military and and diet building press conference hell. Yeah. You know, like... The, the, again, this stuff that usually takes not very long in like yeah. Godzilla films is like the rest of the story. Yeah, it's like it's like the re- other than the attack scenes. You know, you have some other stuff with Asumi sees Rikuchi uh, on the TV. Yeah, and Rikuchi's alive. He may be brainwashed, maybe not. He talks to Emiko, and he's like, you know, call off the attacks. Yeah. Stop doing these attacks or whatever. But that's only like a two-minute scene. Yeah. And the rest of the stuff is all these meetings with these other characters you yeah. do not care about at all. In the original Godzilla, when they decide to send the military in or when they decide to, you know, put around the electric cord, there's a map. Or there's just a brief montage of troops being moved into action so that way we understand what's going on. And it's clear that a decent amount of time has elapsed in between the scenes, you know. So we, we understand what's going on without having to be babied into it. You know, so th- this seems to be like going step by step by step, and, and it's just like, no, we we don't need that. We right. just we need skip map it. montage. We can skip explosions. all of this. This yeah. this movie needs a montage. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the third attack coincides with you've got the Markalite Farps being used. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Atsumi sort of stumbling onto this tunnel, yeah, and, and trying to go in. And 
like Rescue. go into the dome, which yeah. you think would be a more viable military option, but apparently he doesn't think to tell the military that he has direct access into yeah. the dome and just one stick of dynamite could cripple the Mysterians. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, they can stick to their farps. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in. Yeah, it's more personal. Because yeah. he wants to he, he well he has he, to get Hiroko and Atsuko who have been yeah, yeah. You know, kidnapped. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Oroko and uh, Atsumo have been kidnapped by the Mysterians in Which a you forget extremely awkward been, yeah. scene. Uh, and Hiroki puts up absolutely no fight at all. She just instantly faints. faints. It's very, uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, the women have been kidnapped. And the military and their farps are going to destroy this dome. So now you've got the ticking clock. Asumi's got to get into the dome and save his women before... Uh, the farps destroy the tit. Okay, so you've got that going on. <laughs> it's farps versus tit. Uh, and so that is happening. And basically, Asumi gets in there and he he kind of he gets into the dome. And it sort of looks like kind of a budget version of uh, the planet from Forbidden Planet. Like map paintings integrated with sort of these big sets that are mostly empty but they've got a lot of neon sort of mad scientist things that wouldn't be out of place and like a whatever there's like i don't know a lot of neon a lot of green and pink neon yeah. uh in this ship and anyways Atsumi blows up some of the stuff, disabling some of the shields, but then he gets caught. Mm -hmm. uh, he's about to be executed. They, they take him to, like, this different area um, where, like, there is another Mysterian who has also taken all the women into a tunnel. And you think, like, this is bleak. He's going to, like, kill Atsumi and all the women. Mm -hmm. But then he takes off his helmet, and it's Rikuchi, and he's like, I have to go in. And like finish things or whatever. Yeah. Meanwhile, the the Markolite Farps are bombarding, um, you know, the the exterior, and they're making some progress. And also, Alpha and the new Beta, they built another Beta, yeah. are are doing uh, air assault. Um, so all that's going on. Then, um, <clears throat> so Rikuchi, he's like, I've you know. I have to save the whole human race, you know, do whatever is necessary so I don't have to marry Emiko. Uh, and um, so he goes full Charles Bronson. Uh, he goes back into the dome and um, he, immediately he, he, begins he just he just, he just kills everyone he sees on site, uh, all the Mysterians, he just shoots them all, and then he blows up all their equipment and... A la Death Wish 4. A la Death Wish 3. The oh. end of Death Wish 3 inside this dome. Um, his score is not as impressive as Chuck Bronson's, but, you know. And uh, so, Asumi gets the, you know, the ladies to safety or whatever. And uh, the Farps uh, do their job in, in, in concert with the damage, the internal damage yeah. that Rikuchi has, has caused. Oh, Mogera comes back and it's amazing because, yeah. like, you, you see one, you know, you see under one of the Markalite farps, um, Mogera is, is digging underneath the farp, and it's like it's cool because, like, the uh, the drill the drill blade, the circular yeah, yeah. saw blade, is animation, and and they, they they like they've animated it, and it looks really neat, and you know. It sort of looked like it could have been like you wish they would have used that option for like Gigan because like Gigan yeah. basically has the same blade only it's in its front. This has it uh, as like a back fin, yeah. but like um, it 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 drills underneath the one of the the legs of the Markalite Farp and it basically achieves its goal of like just like it it comes up underneath the Farp, destroying the ground and so that the leg uh, of the Farp kind of gets crushed and so the whole thing falls down right so it kind of like puts it out of commission but the farp falls on mogera yeah. and kills it again so yeah. it's like death by farp yeah death by farp but it's like in uh it's like a boner you know it's like a it's like a it's like botchamania it's like nice like like mogera you know it's like when Boba Fett gets killed in Return of the Jedi. It's just like a stupid mistake, yeah. you know. It's like something that would actually happen in Warfare. Like you never see a kaiju just get killed because of like a stupid mistake. Yeah, you know. So Mogera, you know, great. 
uh, maximizing screen time. <laughs> you know, very unique personality. Always accidentally killing itself. <laughs> but yeah, luckily there's still enough Markalite Farps to uh, finish off the dome. And it explodes, and then you see a giant mushroom cloud, and... Uh, Dr. Yamane, but not Yamane, gives a big monologue about, you know, we must not become like the Mysterians if we don't learn to come together right now over me. We'll end up just like them. Right. And, um, you know, the, uh, yeah, the Tsumi and the two... These two women now are uh, kind of looking out at the stars as like the last ships, the la- the final like retreating Mysterians go out, mm-hmm. uh, possibly to summon the bad guys from Battle in Outer Space, which came out like two years after this, it's which something is sort like of a loose yeah. sequel. Uh, it goes up to the satellite that is uh, used by uh, Three Ring Fonda or yeah. whatever in... Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, yeah. like that stock footage, like the satellite or whatever. Yeah, um, that satellite is like in five it, different. It's movies like five or it. six different movies, but I guess it's like a sub ship of, of the Mysterians that just yeah. sort of like they go. The, those ships go into that satellite, and the satellite just sort of goes away because the Americans or the Japanese send up another little teeny like satellite to keep an eye on it or whatever. Yeah, it's fucking weird. I don't know. Yeah. It's all just like. Sputnik. It, it's all just like, you know what? It's been an hour and a half. The movie has to end now. Yes. Like, the reason, like, why Rokichi decides to go full Bronson is never explained. Yeah. Like, like you could have done this at any time. I mean, they kind of imply that at some point he's just like, and it's hard to tell because you forget which one. It's like, oh, right, he's the yellow one. Yeah, and but, he's barely in the movie yeah. after he gets kidnapped. And, I mean, he's barely in the movie anyway. Yeah, but it, it seems like he, he's kind of upset of the fact that they decide, oh, by the way, we don't want two miles now. Now we want 75 miles and we're, we're tunneling, you know, our big mega base. It's yeah. kind of implied, but it's still, it's, it's, it's shooting. Yeah. It, it's just like, oh, wait, now I have a conscience. <laughs> I guess we forgot to mention the fact that Mysterians were planning on, like, blowing up Tokyo or something Uh, at one point. It's sort of mentioned. Also, the Mysterians use the same map as, like, the government. Like, they have the exact same map of this, like, city they're building underneath the dome. And and they... I think it's the same exact map. Like, (laughs) it's just like the Mysterians use it in the one city. like, this is the thing we're building. See? On this map. And then they're like, okay, now we have to talk about this at the other scene with all the military generals. Yeah, just use the same map. Yeah. Like, yeah, obviously they would draw out the exact same I, map. I don't, I don't know, Mr. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> Tanaka-sama. Maybe we should, should we just make get a different a, map? Should we make it a, <laughs> no, damn it! Because there's supposed there's to be... There's Yen on the line right here. <laughs> there's supposed to be two different maps. It's Look, two different people. this is people. a B-movie. This is going to play B-side of, you know, Madam White Snake. all right? We got to, you know... <laughs> so... This Anyways, is for kids. Yeah. Saturday so, morning and for the drunks. Sorry. Some of the Mysterians live, but they're out in the satellite, and the satellite goes away, but the dome explodes, and there's some sad music, and you see the moon, and the end comes up, and that's that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so there's 1957's The Mysterians, you know, overall good, but, uh, you know, questionable character motives and uh, perhaps too many talking points yes uh parts excuse uh, me if maybe if they could have combined the the three assaults on the dome into one assault that was like 10 minutes long and then maybe had a separate action piece in the middle of the movie yeah then this movie would be amazing but instead it's just weird yeah uh like watching it now you're just like the first time i I watched it, I was like, oh, what's going to happen with this dome or whatever? And I kept waiting for, like, the dome to, like, change or something else to happen. But it really is just three attacks on this dome. And I didn't even remember it being three. I remembered it as being two. So apparently, even though I had seen this film... Within the last five years, I completely like spaced out. Well, yeah, I mean that's you know that's the whole point is that it just blends together. Yeah, and and you know, ah, what 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 else can be said that can't that hasn't already been said? Um, you know, I guess that's it. Um, not not. Not horrible. If you like these kinds of movies, it's worth a watch to find out like where Mogera is from. But 
not even in my top 15. <laughs> um, so, that's it for this week. Uh, I'm Michael Kelly. Look us up on Facebook, Godzilla Pod War Hour. Uh, Twitter, at the Godzilla Pod War. Um, Tumblr. Tumblr, All yeah. episodes are up on Tumblr. Okay, is, yeah, but we gotta, we'll put up the Rodan episode. It'll tumble out. And, um... We're going to keep it going. We're going to yeah. keep her going. Keep her going. Man, keep it strong. Keep her yeah. going. Um, you know, and we're just going to keep watching these movies until I cry 96 tears. <laughs>